tea is hot. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a 2021 episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020. (laughs) This is a podcast for any feminist who feels overwhelmed and exhausted by everything they have to do and still worries that they are not doing enough. Because 2021 so far is basically like 2020.1. Right. We started this podcast. We had the idea for it in August of 2019, and we began it in November of 2019 in anticipation of the possibility that 2020 was going to be pretty hard for some people who were in a political place similar to our own, which is uh, in the belief that being a woman is neither a medical condition nor a moral failing. We were so wrong in how difficult 2020 would be, even though we anticipated it being bad, that here we are in 2021, still making the Feminist Survival Project 2020. Right, because so far 2020 hasn't really ended. It, It has not been. Look, 2020 ended on a number of high notes. One, Joe Biden won the election. Yeah. Two, the vaccine multiple vaccines at a level of effectiveness beyond anyone's wildest hopes. And millions of people have gotten vaccinated. Three, lower death rates from COVID. Yeah. I expected that by the end of 2020, we'd have over 500,000 people dead. But medical science and medical practice has chased this fucker down and is letting fewer people die. So the death rate right now is being driven by the sheer number of cases and sometimes by the necessity of rationing care because of the sheer number of people in the hospital. Right. So that's not like awesome great news, but like... Not because we don't know how to help them, but because we don't have the resources available to help everyone who needs it. So I want to begin by recognizing that there was some really great shit that happened in 2020 right at the end there. And a lot of people have contributed to making good things happen. So 2021 did not begin without hope. Hope, for anybody who wants to listen back to the hope episode, is anticipating that something good might happen something that you want to happen, and being able to justify it by looking at the past. Faith is expecting or wanting something good to happen regardless of what your evidence is. And faith is the, faith is the thing. Amelia, this is the episode that Rich did with me because yeah. you were COVID. Yeah. What I have is faith, primarily. <laughs> yeah. Because there's not a shit ton of evidence. So we're here to talk about (laughs) New Year's resolutions Yeah. in short. We are three minutes in, I'm sorry to say, and we're just now telling you what this episode is about. This episode is about New Year's resolutions. (laughs) And the reason we're making it is because (laughs) it's been so shitty. Like social media has been so, I mean, first of all, there was a coup attempt. A violent uprising. Like, that's bad. Real bad. And it happened on top of a continuation of all the old bad that always comes around this time of year. All the weight loss ads and the diet advice and the shut the fuck up. You do not know what my body needs. Stop sending me ads to tell me what my body needs. Even if you're an advertiser or if you're my friend or if you're the friend of a friend or if you're a medical provider and you don't actually care for me as your patient and have not done so for years, then no, stop. 
So we are reacting to the lack of peoples having grown over the past year or two or five. Right. Bikini industrial complex is big and slow to change. We are already referring people to the hope episode and to the bikini industrial complex episode, which is the shorthand way of explaining why no losing weight is not a goal that makes any sense for a feminist, except that it totally does make sense because it is true that in our fucked up society, you get treated differently depending on the size of your body. That's real. And if you need to be treated a particular way, and if having a body shape of a particular shape and size helps you to be treated in the way you need to be treated, I get that. No one is judging the necessity of making particular body goals. We just want to make sure that you know that your body goals in terms of its shape and size are not about health. Insert bikini industrial complex here. They're not only not about health. They're not about anyone except you. Your choices. You're like, you go ahead. You do you. Do what you got to do. But don't get on social media and be part of the bikini industrial complex bragging to people and telling people like you've succeeded in this goal that everyone should conform to like if you've achieved a goal that you are proud of yay absolutely great do that but don't hold it up as an example for what everyone else should be doing because it is not an example for everyone right a lot of people will be very negatively impacted by that kind of message yeah i've seen people you can do a lot of damage i've seen people of my size celebrating being smaller than this size (laughs) and it's like well how am i supposed to feel about that thank you so much for your participation so if and and i am one of these people i have in my life uh changed my body shape and size in order to be treated a certain way but that is not something that i posted as like hashtag goals there's no before and after pictures i just had this little professional project in the same way that i have like a lot of professional projects where you don't see the behind the scenes Yeah, that's not shit that you post about on social media because you're not helping. No, it's you could be definitely doing a lot of damage. And yeah, please don't do that. And don't give diet advice or exercise advice to the general public because it does not apply to even half of them. (laughs) So there is no general advice that applies to enough people that it's worth taking the risk of injuring someone for whom that advice should not apply. The inspiration for this comes from some tweets. Twitter is a toxic cesspool. And why are you still (laughs) on it? I went back to Twitter in the midst of the coup because it was a way to get immediate information about arrests of some of the most clownish of the insurrectionist domestic terrorists. Okay. And I need to get back off Twitter. Yeah. And if I were going to if I were going to make a new year's resolution, which I haven't done, it would be to remove myself from Twitter's. Yeah. Because not a lot of great some great stuff, some great stuff does happen on Twitter and yeah. not enough to make it worth the cost that it has on my mental health. Yeah. Allegra, my friend Allegra I have asked her, why are you still on that toxic cesspool? And she says, if you curate your feed right, there's a lot of really great stuff. And like, good for her. She made that happen. She took the energy to to create those filters. 
But I, um, uh, no, no, thank you. Not for me. So one of the things that I tweeted, I retweeted a thread of someone who was present at the Capitol during the attack, who was talking about not being able to sleep. And Mm. the responses to this tweet were full of unsolicited advice. But a lot of the advice was really good. It's the kind of thing we talk about all the time. And so I was just retweeting it and saying, you can read the you can read the responses here and there's some good advice. And I included a list of some of the things like physical activity and talking to someone and writing it all down. Those are like, that's good advice. Mm-hmm. And I also said, never underestimate the analgesic power of television and refined carbohydrate. Which is funny and true. Funny and true. Analgesics. A hundred percent. Right. Mm -hmm. And someone replied by saying that as much as I love carbs and they're really fun, they can activate chemicals that make the trauma worse. And a protein bar is better. Protein bar. Oh, yeah, because nitrates and preservatives are definitely going to be fine for you. Yeah. So the thing is, nobody's really so much been protein shamed in their life, but people definitely get like carb shamed yeah, and even fat shamed. Literally, either of the other macronutrients people get shamed for. So I, I had an emotional response to the fact that this person was tweeting against and it was a person whose account was set up in a way that was clearly about like a shared cause a thing we really agree about supporting people who've been traumatized and my thing is like you need to be able to do anything that makes it possible to survive in fact there is a a comedian in an instagram feed that i want to point you to that is part uh it just like really quickly and entertainingly summarizes everything i have ever wanted to say There is a comedian named Shantira Jackson who writes for The Amber Ruffin Show. Oh. Who just produced a video. I think it's called A Serious Message from a Comedy Writer. And it's about how your New Year's resolution should be survive. Yeah. Even if you eat, like, toaster strudel for dinner every day this week. Mm Mm-hmm. If that's what you do, you survived. You did it. Yeah, good job. Their Instagram username is at Tira underscore Tira underscore Tira. It's the worst username to say out loud. Uh, T-I-R-A, Shantira Jackson. Writer Ho Dog Petter is uh, their bio. Very (laughs) handsome in a hat. Just doing my best. That's that's great. (laughs) Right? Yeah, I would totally follow This is someone you should be following on Instagram. For sure. And that video basically is a summary of just, like, you just got to get through. Yeah. The other person I would cite in the Just Survive is, of course, Kate Bornstein, the incomparable, delightful, pretty lady that is Kate Bornstein. She's a remarkable human being, and one of her claims to fame is that when she travels and gives talks, she hands out -out get-out-of-hell-free cards. (laughs) She's a masochist. She likes to be punished. So she says, I will take on your hell punishment for you. As like All a, you have to do wait, is... Wait, wait, wait. We have to put that in context because for most people, like, masochist is like a personality trait. That might be something negative. Oh. You're saying that, like, as a no, king... No, she sexually enjoys, she enjoys being hurt. Her, okay, yeah. She wants to be tortured. It gives her pleasure to be... To submit to torture. So that's a specific context that I think matters. Okay, yeah. So, so that's Kate Bornstein's sexual orientation. She likes to be submissively hurt she likes to receive torture because that's that's her kink 
Cool. And so she's using this for a greater social justice issue. She hands out these get out of jail free cards. I will take on your torture because I find it sexually satisfying. And in exchange, you can do anything it takes to make life worth living. The only rule is don't be mean. Yeah. And if that means that you're taking illicit drugs, do that. If it means you're taking prescription drugs, do that. If it means you are eating the refined fucking carbohydrates, you will do that because that is what it takes to make life worth living. Today. Yes. Long term. Because your job is... Long term. None of these things are strategies for life fulfillment whatever but if you need to stay alive today this week do what you gotta do do what you gotta do and it's controversial and lots of people do not like it when people like me or kate say it out loud but i come from a radical harm reduction position yeah i want you to be alive yeah i want you to be alive so that you can get enough help to be able to access the resources that you need in order to go beyond just surviving. Yeah. But we're in the middle of an unprecedented, <laughs> unprecedented global pandemic. People are dying. People are, it's, it's really bad right now. I want to normalize. Violent attacks it, on the government are currently being planned. Plus the fascist coup. Yeah. Right? Actual literal Nazis marching into the capital with a plan to definitely kidnap and possibly murder elected officials to our federal government. Because they fell for fascist propaganda. Right. And misinformation. On purposely given to them so that they would. To lead them to do this, yes. So, So, shit is hard. Shit's hard! Do what you have to do. I was just on a call this morning and they wanted to know what the best way to get in touch with me was because they had struggled to get in touch with me to schedule this meeting we had this morning. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to explain the phone is worst. I, I don't answer the phone. Text is okay. I'll receive it. It will take me some time to reply. And I'm checking email two or maybe three times a week. And they describe that as a power move. <laughs> It was it was a reframing for me to to think that re- deciding to read my email was a power move rather than just a survival strategy. Like I will do my email, but I will like condense it into a couple of clusters over the course of the week, and that'll be fine. Because you got to do what it takes to stay alive. Yeah, like I'm I'm really trying, and God knows you and I have so much privilege. Yeah. I imagine if I had to do this with a toddler. Yeah. Someone on the call had a toddler and I was like, I I feel like a wimp because we're dealing with the same fascist coup in the same pandemic and I'm doing it without a toddler. But I'm the one who was like, I'm only reading email twice a week. So it is a personal project for me to work on not feeling inadequate and guilty and ashamed for setting boundaries. Taking care of yourself. Setting limits. Doing the best I can. Listening to what you need and actually giving yourself that. And having the best I can be less than somebody else can do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working on it. If I have a New Year's resolution, it's not wasting the energy I'm trying to conserve on judging myself for conserving my energy. Okay, but see, I just want to say that in that particular 
example, you were not judging yourself. That person was actively judging you. No, she wasn't. She called it a power move? Like she No, in a good way. Oh, okay. Because it sounds to me like power move is somebody being like, oh, you fucking bitch. How dare you try to like lord your time no, no, no. over me? No, power as in baller. Oh, okay. Like baller move. Like, like good bitch, for you, man. Boss. Boss bitch. I don't know which order is the good order. I believe the term is boss ass bitch. Boss ass bitch. Setting boundaries. Only reading email twice a week because that's all I'm giving y'all. There's, basically there's too much other suffering in the world email is not yeah a thing to add to the and list when i said like how are you all how are you all doing this and they said that they get like head down focused on doing the work and then when the work is done they lift their head up they doom scroll and they cry themselves to sleep which was normalizing for me because i'm i'm trying not to doom scroll and cry myself to sleep yeah I mean, but that is a, that's a dire coping strategy, but I mean. Yeah, that's a like. That is the point of this episode survival. is we got to do what we got to do. We got to do what we got to do. You have to, you have to do a job potentially. Yeah. You have to raise the child still regardless. Yeah. I have a friend who was willing to say out loud, she had a child in 2019 and she said, if you had told me ahead of time that 2020 was going to be this, I would not have had a child. Yeah. How could we possibly have known? Yeah. No, of course not. And I thought it was really great to hear someone being so honest to say, like, I would not have chosen to raise a child in this context. No. This is harder than I ever wanted it to be. Yeah. That's... And she loves her child. Of course. Of course, of course. she does. But... It's not the thing that she bargained for. It's not what her expectations were. And it's not reasonable for anybody to, like, consider having a child and take into account, but the year of that child's birth could be the year of, you know, a global pandemic. <laughs> no one could have anticipated this when they made yeah. the choice. And a year when and the president was preparing a coup. Right. So. By spreading disinformation. That's all the more argument in favor of survival. Do what you need to do. Yeah. Toaster strudel. So me, I'm taking a medical leave of absence from my job this semester. Yay! Yeah. I have guilt. So is it is it helpful for me to do the I told you so, or should I not do that? Uh, it doesn't matter. I definitely knew. I definitely knew that I, I mean, I was bad at my job last semester. I like I still have work from last semester that I need to do and I'm trying to listen to my body and let my body tell me what to do instead of my to-do list and the result has been I have barely touched my to-do list mm -hmm. and I'm still not rested enough. For people who are new to the podcast, <laughs> Amelia had COVID in, in June. July. Yeah. And has become a COVID long hauler with very intense fatigue and brain fog and joint pain for months. So much so that in August, I said, you need to take a medical leave of absence. And it was, Amelia felt that it was too late to do the paperwork, which is fair enough. No, you're supposed to give 30 days notice unless it's, unless you've like been hospitalized. Right. So Amelia dragged herself on her hands and knees 
by her hair through and that's almost literally true because you lost hair i lost so much hair it's growing back through the fall semester you got to the end of it and you did the paperwork and made the appointments to get medical leave for the spring semester yeah and so here you are and it was so i caught so apparently how you're supposed to do it is my workplace has disability insurance so you go through hr and you call the company and they talk you through it and she was like so why are you requesting leave and i said i'm a covid long hauler and she said when did you get a positive test and i was like well i never did get a positive test um i tested negative in june and she was like wait why are you applying i'm like i'm a long hauler one in ten people who get covid get chronically ill she was like, and she had no idea. She did not know this. Apparently, this is not a thing that has seeped into the larger awareness of the infrastructure. Of insurance companies. Yeah. Although, when I did, I actually went to doctor's appointments. And I live in the country, so it's a it's a 40-minute drive to a doctor's office from where I live. So I drive 40 minutes, which should not be a thing, but I have fucking post-COVID syndrome. And uh, therefore, driving 40 minutes is hard for me. So I drive 40 minutes and I go to the cardiologist and luckily there's a cardiologist in the office who's seen a lot of long haulers and all my symptoms are just textbook. Mm -hmm. Like there's no textbook, but if there were a textbook, <laughs> they would be textbook. Like my heart races for no reason. When I change position, my heart races. When I do very little effort, my heart races, but my blood pressure doesn't go up. And I feel tired all the time for no reason that they can find. I got an echocardiogram. Nothing is physically wrong with my heart. And I'm following up with the cardiologist on the heart symptoms. Which is great to know. It's great to know. I'm following up with the cardiologist on the heart symptoms because those are the only symptoms that seem dangerous. Mm -hmm. Fatigue is not going to kill me. This joint pain is not going to kill me. The brain fog is not going to kill me. But the, the way my heart races feels like life-threatening sometimes. And uh, so I got that checked out. But apparently... This is very standard operating procedure for other long haulers who this cardiologist has seen. So that also is comforting. And Bay State, which is the large medical system in Massachusetts, is starting a long hauler kind of clinic situation with an infectious disease expert. And um, they put me on his list and I'm, I have an appointment to go see him uh, in two weeks. And for those who are new to the podcast... The origin story of the book we wrote is that Amelia was so stressed out and ignored her body signal so long that she ended up in the hospital. So this challenge of prioritizing what her body's telling her over what her to-do list says is arguably the defining feature of her emotional growth as a human on Earth. So COVID was sent to you as a guest, <laughs> Amelia. Fuck you. <laughs> right. But if I'm bragging about things Aren't like so making grateful? and going to doctor's appointments. Yeah. Other people are like, well, duh, you make me go to doctor's appointments. But I'm like, no, no, no. I, I was on hold on the phone for 20 minutes to get this doctor's appointment. And then I drove and went and sat in the waiting room. And like one of the symptoms is this like orthostatic intolerance where I can't stand or even sit up for very long. So when you drive 40 minutes and then walk into the hospital and then sit in the waiting room and then like go into the thing and you haven't laid down for like an hour and a half, 
that's really hard for me. <laughs> in addition to all yeah. the stuff that tells me that I don't want to be going to the doctor in the first place. So I want credit, man. I made a doctor's appointment and I went. There's a part of your brain that judges you for not being able to do these things that are, as you say, standard operating procedure for people with long COVID. Yeah. I also cannot believe, like, when I got to the waiting room of the cardiologist's office, there was nowhere to lay down in the waiting room. <laughs> I was like, this is a cardiologist's <laughs> office. You have people with orthostatic tachycardia syndrome. People need to fucking lay down. Like, they drove here, and then they walked in here. And so the first time I went to the cardiologist, and I was like, we got, we went back into the, the room where she's going to take my blood pressure and stuff. And I was like, can I just lay down? She's like, go ahead and sit. And I was like, can I lay down? She's like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'm like, oh, God, I need to lay down. I was I was this close to laying down out in the waiting room. And she's like, good thing you didn't do that. And I was like, why? Don't don't people need to lay down here? Why is it it's a good like thing a, you didn't do that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I was Because like, you're not the one who would do this, but I have laid down in a waiting room. I went to, like, not the emergency room, but... Urgent care? I went to urgent care once. I think maybe it was a my Maybe it was, like, my first ever migraine. I was still living in Delaware, and I went to urgent care, and I couldn't sit up, so I laid down on the floor. Yeah. Because I couldn't. Yeah. And and I'm the one who just like lies down because my body is like lie down, bitch. Yeah. And and I do what it says. Yeah, my body. Was and like, your body lie was down, like lie down, bitch. And you're like, I need to behave myself. And I was like, there's only chairs. There's no beds here. I have to sit. <laughs> the room is telling me to sit. Therefore, my body can go fuck itself. And, we and I was like, the there's a floor. Says. And then I got to the exam room, and there was like a thing where I could lay down, and I was like. Now the room is giving me permission to lay my ass down. So oh. anyway, the point of all of this is that if there's like a New Year's resolution situation going on, it's that I genuinely have to not let rooms and lists tell me what to do. I have to actually listen to my body. How's it going? It sucks. What sucks about it? Well, I'm not getting anything. Well, the thing is that I do the urgent things that have to be done. If there's a phone call scheduled or a, a meeting, I have maybe one or two a week. Things I have to do. I do them. And then everything below that this is happening now level of urgency just doesn't get done. I have... I have work from last semester, paperwork that I have to do for my, you know, teaching job. I have to correct a grade for a student, which means filling out some forms, which means checking like three different sources for varieties of information to fill out the forms. And I, I can go as far as like opening the form and getting one of the pieces of information. And then I discover myself staring at the screen and I don't know how long I've been sitting there staring. And I don't know what to do next because my brain doesn't work anymore. That is, that's what my life is like now. And how do you feel about that? I'm so glad I'm taking a medical leave so that I can basically do three days worth of work is what I have to do. And I can take the next three months and do that work because I think that's what it's going to take. 
So there is a phrase we use with deep sarcasm over and over <laughs> and this podcast, which is the one I hope you are applying to your life right now. What was what it? What is it? You turn toward the difficult feelings with kindness and compassion. That's right. So you turn toward the fatigue. You turn toward the brain fog. You notice that the brain fog has happened. And instead of going, you go, well, that's interesting. Yes. Well, that is what I'm doing now. But the only reason I have the luxury of doing that is because I have nothing else on my plate. Yeah. You deliberately remove. Here's how little is on my plate. My husband does the dishes 90% of the time. You cook for me 75% of the time. Malin cooks 20% of the time. So I only do 5% of my own cooking. Like, and this is where my brain stops working because I'm in the middle of a sentence and I know I was going somewhere with that, but uh, what was my point? You don't do the dishes. You don't do a lot of cooking. Oh, right. This is how much I've taken off my plate. It's like literal plates are off you my plate. Are not doing your job. Literal plates are off your... That's very funny. Yeah, <laughs> funny. I understood that joke, and I am recognizing it with you. <laughs> that expression of appreciation <laughs> is in lieu of laughter. <laughs> Great. <laughs> right. So... My New Year's resolution, if there is such a thing, is get back off Twitter mm-hmm. like I was before the coup. And yours is to follow through on all the work that you've done to take as much as humanly possible off your plate so that the thing that fills your plate is turning toward your disability with kindness and compassion. Yeah. To promote healing. Yeah. And so that means that one of the things that really pisses me off Because I'm working so hard to let my body tell me what it needs. Because there's no research to tell me what will help. There's no evidence. You know, I kind of love that. Like, you're a person who definitely wants research to tell you how to do the thing. And it truly doesn't exist. So your only choice is to listen to your body. The only one who knows. Long haulers vary so much from each other that you, you cannot get much of a lesson from anyone else's experience you've got to notice your own experience yeah so it's like tailor-made for me to grow as a person Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Fucking personal growth it's bullshit bullshit yeah so it is really really um it's uh, triggering for me to see posts like the one that you had on twitter where somebody's trying to like tell people Eat what's, a protein bar. What's better for them? Like, you do not fucking know what's better for anyone. You don't know. You don't know what's better for anyone. If you come from a position of authority, you better speak from a place of goddamn immaculate authority to tell anyone what might be better for them. Because God forbid someone follows your advice and feels bad about the fact that it didn't work for them because a lot of people are like me where they think that everyone else must know what's good for their body because they've been trained not to listen to their own body and to listen or, to experts also if you're a person like so in this case it is carbs versus protein bar if you're a person who's been like yes i receive a lot of consolation and calm and peace from eating nutty bars and here's this person saying you should have a protein bar instead because biochemically it's better for you. 
and you start to feel bad. Bitch, about you don't the know shit about my biochemistry. Right. You don't know what other drugs I take. You don't know what other like mental illnesses I have that affect my brain chemistry. And the whole point of my tweet was you have permission to do whatever it takes. Shut if television the is the thing you need, if you need to watch Bridgerton food. over and over on a continuous loop, you go right the fuck ahead. Is Bridgerton He, good? Simon, is so hot. <laughs> so hot. That's not really an answer. <laughs> the main hero is so hot. <laughs> And you get to see him naked. You see his butt. You see him humping. <laughs> Jesus Christ. His new life. Oh my God. And he is so hot. I didn't, you get to I see him withdraw and ejaculate not... on the ground and you don't see it, but it is so convincing. And you're like, and the wife asks, does that hurt? And I love it. I can't get enough. I love it. Okay. Well, I watched all of Great British Bake Off season in two days, so. You know what? Same, same. Yeah. But you you do you. Yeah. Bridgerton, pie, whatever it fucking takes. Yeah. Evelyn from the internets did a kind of review of Bridgerton and said that during the sex scenes, all she could think was, people didn't wash then. <laughs> Europeans, <laughs> Europeans didn't wash. Yeah. Yeah. They were dirty. I mean, they did wash. She's not wrong. They did, did wash. Just not at the same... And especially, yeah. like, the Dukes and the other people with titles. Like, yeah. they did a lot more bathing they, than yeah, yeah. their servants did, for example. Right, but it wasn't, like, a priority. Yeah. So, do you. Yeah. Do whatever it takes to survive. You have permission 100%. We are not here to prescribe you advice for what it takes we're pretty sure if you experiment you'll find a thing that makes it easier for you to make it from today to tomorrow oh for sure we do feel like vegetables are a good idea definitely i feel, feel comfortable like sleep, recommending vegetables sleep is a good idea yeah and we recognize that there are institutional and social barriers between people and both vegetables and sleep and water right did you hear that the governor of michigan might face jail time yes yeah that's a good thing that happened. Yes. See, some good things happened. Yeah. And that does not minimize the bad how, things. Yeah. How bad. Yeah. I one of the most compelling things I think uh Biden and his incoming administration talk about is the empty chairs at kitchen tables. Yeah. You think about the hundreds of thousands of people who have died and yeah. all the family members who are left behind because of the cruelty and blinkered arrogance of the government. Like, they didn't have to die. All those people, not going to talk about it. Nope. Nope. That's not what this is about. Yeah, it's about plans for how we're going to deal with the fact that 2021... So far, not better. Not better. So 2020 started Despite, and then hold just on, hold on, got wait, wait, wait. worse. Hold, 2021... At the end of 2020, it looked like things were turning around. Vaccine. It looked like it was pulling itself Biden. up by its bootstraps. And then fucking 2021 actually started and went, yoink, pulled all the hope out from under us and went, never mind. 
Yeah, no, it turns out you're going to have to actually deal with all of the underlying causes of what made 2020 such a nightmare. Hey, did you know that Hitler's first coup attempt was 1923? I did. And that he wasn't actually leader made leader of the government until 1933 took him 10 allow years. me to take this opportunity to re-recommend to everyone defying hitler by sebastian hafner yeah. it was written originally in 1939 and not published until decades later but it's about the rise of hitler through the eyes of a progressive law student in the 1930s who even in you know 1934 his date was late to show up his date was German, and he thought, did they kill her? Yeah. So, yeah, we should all be thinking like that. And when we say literal Nazis, we're referring to the uh, actual literal Nazis. Nazis, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fun fact that a guy in the famous photograph that will definitely be in history books of the carrying a Confederate flag yeah. in the Capitol building, mm -hmm. he's from Delaware. Our home state. I think that it's ironic that the dude's carrying a Confederate flag and he's from a state that's not part of the Confederacy. Oh, see, my thought is, like, Delaware is the South. People don't think about Delaware being the South, but Delaware is the South. Delaware was not a member of the Confederacy. No, it wasn't a member of the Confederacy. And that he's doesn't carrying mean it wasn't a Confederate flag, and he was never a member of the... Whatever. That's okay, what, that's so let's go back. Is. Okay. Let's go back and say, so he's from Delaware. Which was never a member of the Confederate States. It, it was not a Confederate state. It was not. It did not secede from the Union. Yeah. Never let history stand in the way of a good story. Well, that flag gives him permission to be a bigot, and that's what he really wants, so he's going to, you know, rewrite his own version of... <laughs> I keep rewatching right after the election, Amber Ruffin did a spot on Seth Meyers, which she writes for, where she came out and was like, let me help all the white people who are realizing how racist America was. What is your message of hope, says Seth Meyers. And Amber Ruffin says, join the fun. And she does a little dance in her chair. Join the fun. Mm -hmm. Join the fun. She twirls her fingers around her fingers and join the fun. Basically like, join the fun. Welcome to it. Woo! Having a party with the racism and what she says is like the good news is America's more misogynist than it is racist which isn't good news for me because I'm black and a woman join the fun yeah I love Amber Ruffin so much yeah <laughs> have you read her book yet no but I watched her interview her sister and that was fucking awesome hilarious the book is amazing um, I got the audiobook yeah which it's a mixed blessing because, yeah, she narrates the audiobook along with her sister in bits and pieces. And there are sort of audio bonuses. of So, like, there's a knock, a secret knock for the security at JCPenney. Oh. And the bonus audio is you get to hear her do the knock. <laughs> and she sings little songs about stuff. And the audiobook is worth getting. But the book also has a lot of photographs. Oh. And in the audiobook, she's like, so this is an audiobook. So what you can't see is this map of Omaha. Or this picture of Lacey next to a picture of Harriet Tubman. They do not look alike. Yeah. Does it come with an, a PDF download at least? Uh, not that I have seen so far. Sometimes it takes a minute for them to release an audio. The yeah, accompanying. But the there is. I'm not going to give it away. But in the section that's about white church. Oh. There is a 
white guy who says white women should not go to North Omaha because of the way gang members are initiated. And it made me laugh so hard that I triggered an asthma attack. And then remembering it made me laugh so hard. I made my back spasm and I couldn't stand up for a while. That's pretty funny. Like, it is so funny. Please, everybody, read You'll Never Believe What Happened to Lacey by Amber Ruffin and Lacey Lamar. Yeah. And why are we talking about that? Because oh, of because of join the fun, join the join, join the, the fun. fun. Yeah, I guess more 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 misogynist than racist. The racism has really come to the fore, and uh, with a really hefty splash of the anti-Semitism coming right to the surface. Yeah, Ugh. Like usually that gets like tamped down, and people are unwilling to say that out loud. But yeah, boy, Skippy. Yeah. People feel a lot more comfortable. What I can't understand is how a person can participate in the coup, see somebody walking around in the kind of sweatshirts people were wearing, and not to think to themselves, hmm, am I on the wrong side? Yeah. There was, I saw on a news report that there was a a Republican congressman who voted against the second impeachment, but then said out loud, I kind of think maybe I'll have been on the wrong side of history. Then why did he vote against it? Because he's a fucking moron, I guess. You will definitely be on the wrong side of history. His name is going to go down in history books as like, here is one of the House of Representative members who voted against impeachment of the guy who initiated the racist insurrection against the federal government. Feelings. It's not about that. This episode is not about that. This episode is about how to cope. Coping. Part of how to cope. Making plans. Is to talk about your feelings. Yeah. Talking about your feelings is good for you. Yeah. You got to let them out. Yeah. I have a complicated feeling about when I talk about these things with my therapist because she's Jewish and not heterosexual. So I have so much more privilege than she does around these issues. And I have literally been worried for her. Yeah. Looking forward. Appropriately, um, I think. We, yeah, she feels like it's not. And from a like therapist-client relationship, it's not appropriate. But from a like white lady who got raised in a Christian world and who was married to a dude, worried about her Jewish lesbian in her life. Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a normal human so, thing. Yeah. So I feel weird talking about it sometimes with my therapist. So let me talk about it on my podcast and shit. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, maybe there's... She asked a really good question, which uh, I think is going to be productive for a lot of people if they ask it themselves. How is your response to the coup the same or different from your response to the other things that happened in 2020? That was a very productive question for me. Hmm. One of the things I noticed was that the preparation I had done in 2020, which at the time, a lot of people would have looked at and been like, you are overreacting. All the research that I did about fascism and autocracy by reading the many, many books that I read about it and coming to understand what my place is, should there be a fascist autocratic regime, helped me, first of all, not to be surprised by the coup and also to understand who I was relative to these events in a way that did not disrupt my sense of self. That's good. You have that too, right? Yeah, y- yes, less academically and less sort of 
rationally, consciously, thoroughly, more like my my pessimist brain was like, yep, I yep. It was not a surprise to me at all. If you had if you had asked me when will the coup be, I'd have said inauguration, not certification. I thought it was going to be much closer to election day, and as things calmed down after election day, I started to get a little complacent and optimistic and olive wants some love hello olive so things are different right now olive is visiting amelia because sadie and olive are best friends yeah and so amelia is the one who is dealing with the whining yeah (laughs) instead of me yeah so yes it was very much a matter of oh it's happening now that's how i felt about it oh it's oh it's now yeah and the thing is it's not over and it's not going to be over. Nope, nope, nope. And so, therefore, That survival... was just the first battle. There's a war now. Sure. That was just the first yeah. battle. There will be more battles. Yeah, and we don't... There's so many possibilities in this moment. We're not going to try to predict what's going to happen. Our job as the health educator... Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to predict what's going to happen. There's going to be more attacks. Well, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, like... Some people are saying, no, 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 there's not, that we're ready now and we're not going to let this happen again. And no, there's going to be more attacks. I feel very comfortable saying that out loud and kind of like I might be doing some poor optimist a service. They might be thinking like, oh, this is not a country where that happens and we've got it now. No, no, no. No, we 100% don't. There's going to be more attacks. More people will die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want it. Yeah. They want war. Yeah. They want to die violently. Yeah. So that kind of preparation is definitely helpful when you see it, because then, you know, it doesn't take quite so long to sink in. It doesn't take quite so long to respond and to be prepared to take, you know, drastic action if necessary, if you're in that moment. So apart from the prediction that, yes, there will be more violence, we are not making predictions about what's going to happen. And what the point of this episode is to say is that the way to respond to things um, is to listen to yourself, your own body, your own heart, and then respond based on that reality. Don't take the advice of other people who don't know you. Don't, I mean, and here we are giving you advice, but the advice we're giving you is don't take our advice. <laughs> yeah. Don't listen to us. Don't we, to, don't we don't know. know you and your life. Yeah. You don't know my life. No, I don't know your life. I don't know your life. And you are allowed to do whatever it takes to make your life not just survivable, but worth living. And it's going to be way easier if you recognize that other people's voices telling you what to do, how to eat, when to sleep, how much to sleep, how much suffering is appropriate for you, how hard you should push before you give up. Uh, that No one knows any of that except for you. No one no matter how many degrees they have, no matter how many followers they have, no one knows better than you. And apparently some people will perceive it as a baller move if you set a limit. Frankly, it is. Like, girl, only reading your email twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. If, if your inbox were like my inbox, twice a week would also be a lot. I have a very specific kind of inbox as a sex educator who is also a stress educator and writes about trauma-informed evidence-based care, your inbox would be maybe a little more... um, Intense. Impactful in your daily life. Less about scheduling meetings, more about lived experiences of trauma. People telling me their stories, yeah. There's only so many times a week I can do that. And, like, not to say don't send me your stuff. Like, I... that's, That's who I am. It's what I do. It's my 
whole purpose in life is teaching women to live with confidence and joy inside their bodies. And part of that is honoring and recognizing the not great stuff that happens. The reason my work matters is because there are so many people who have these dark stories. And it's reasonable for me to set a limit on the... Uh, <laughs> Olive, on the time that I expose myself to that dark stuff. She has covered my bathrobe in mud. Muddy footprints. Muddy olive prints. She's such a good girl. She climbs on top of me. Sadie. Sadie loves her. So cute. Sadie loves her. Yes. So, are we, uh, did we I think we made the point. The point was, don't give people advice about how to do their things because they need to be listening to themselves. And in fact, that is what we are doing. Learning. And don't give anyone yeah. advice. Don't give and don't anyone's take. advice. Yeah. And don't feel Set guilty goals or that are, ashamed. That your body dictates. Yeah. Yeah. There's no need to be guilty or ashamed because someone's advice that they gave you didn't work for you or doesn't feel right to you. Like, that's totally, yeah. That's, yeah. And that's what we're doing. Me and my medical journey and us in the journey of like, what are we going to do about this podcast? Right. So the last piece is uh, what is the future of the podcast given the Feminist Survival Project 2020 is now in 2021. And we are going to stay attuned to what's happening in the world and try to feel our way toward what our place is in that situation. So probably sometime after the inauguration, we'll have a clearer sense of what that is. Yeah. To listen to the body of the nation and the time and ourselves. And we'll super let you know. And if you follow us on Instagram, follow Emily on Instagram because FSP 2020 is the podcast. Okay, FSP yeah. 2020. That is the place where we'll, we will announce like, here's where you can get information about what we're deciding to do. Um, and that's Lucy. That's not Olive. Lucy is a hound and she can bay. <laughs> yes. Olive cannot, but it's funny to hear her try. <laughs> it's not really funny at 2 a.m., but it's kind of funny at 2 a.m. So that's this week's episode. That is January's episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020. Part, part two. It is December 11th, 2020 beta. Right. 2020.4. Yeah. That is this week's episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020. I am Emily Nagoski. I'm Amelia Nagoski. That was too sarcastic. Sorry. (laughs) I'm Amelia Nagoski. If any of this was written, it was written by us. If any of this is edited, it's edited by my marital euphemism. Any music you hear is by... Amelia. And we truly mean it when we say, thank you for listening. Boss bitch. I don't know which order is the good order. I believe the term is boss ass bitch. The Feminist Survival Project 2020 is a part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts.